0: listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, Bethelbible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, good morning. And uh, let's turn to John chapter 6 is where we're going to be picking up. As you're turning there, you all know what we're going to talk about today. You've all experienced it. In fact, you may be experiencing it exactly where you are right now. And it's the idea of being hungry. In fact, many of you, there's this new term, a uh, fairly new, about you've gotten so hungry that it's affecting who you are. It's a word called hangry. That you are so hungry that you're irritable. Uh, in fact, Snickers even picked upon this. You've seen their commercials about where, I think, Betty White's playing football with a bunch of like uh, young adults, and um, they give her a Snicker, and the byline is this, you are not yourself, or you are not you when you're hungry. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, the idea that, in fact, all of life, from the moment you are created in the womb, life is about getting fed. It's about finding food. In fact, God created our bodies to run on food, and that hunger that we feel often is a warning sign that we're lo- running low on fuel. In fact, every time we eat, we should be reminded by that hunger and then the way food satisfies, and for many of us, it's we, we've gone too far and, and we you know vow to never eat that much again, but that, that process of being hungry and satisfaction should be a constant reminder that God is active in our lives. But I think we're really at a disadvantage a lot of times, even in our own community and our own city around the world. There are places where they wake up each and every day not knowing where is the meal coming from today. You know, it's not as simple as they go to the grocery store and take their debit card and, and pay with whatever they that Our biggest problem is deciding what to make. But for many, it's a constant reminder. Uh, they know a daily dependence about where will the meal come from today. Well, this is why we're going to look at this today. In fact, I think sometimes we hopefully pray over our meals, and I know it can become just this uh, ritual that doesn't have much meaning. But in fact, every bite of food that we put in our mouth should remind us of our need for God, and then how He meets that need on a daily, daily basis. So last week we saw that. We're uh, Jesus feeds a massive crowd, the most public miracle he does. It's recorded in all four Gospels that he feeds this group of about uh, 12 to 18,000 people probably with five loaves of bread and two small fish. But all throughout John, we've been seeing something where Jesus takes uh, these physical things and he makes a greater spiritual reality or application. And we're going to see that even today, we're going to see a physical hunger, but there's also this spiritual hunger that we all have this growling deep inside our souls. It indicates there's this emptiness inside, but we often try to fill that with so many different things. So today, we're going to see how Jesus is the only one that can satisfy that emptiness. <coughs> so we're going to begin in chapter 6, verse 22, and... It's the beginning of his seven I am statements. Uh, He'll say, I'm the bread of life today. Two chapters later, the light. John 10, he'll be the door, the good shepherd. In John 11, the resurrection and life. John 14, the way, the truth, and the light. And then John 15, that our women have been talking through in their abide series about I am the true vine. And so here's what I hope that we'll see today, that life comes and true life comes only to those who eat the bread of life. There is no other way, no other way this happens. Life only comes by eating the bread of life. So we pick up in verse 22. It says, "...now the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there there was only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples." but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, our teacher, when did you come here? So the day before is when he feeds that massive crowd of people the most public miracle that he performs. Evening gets goes on, it gets dark, and uh, when they'd gone to bed or perhaps laid down, all of a sudden they look up and Jesus is not there. The, if you remember, it was like 3 to 6 in the morning that he crosses the sea to meet the disciples who are terrified in the boat. So they wake up and... You know, they start looking for that one that fed them the next day. Maybe they got up and ate from those baskets that morning. I'm not for sure. But they go looking for Jesus. Realize, wait, he's not here. So maybe he kind of went when no one was looking. So they travel back to Tiberias after more people have come to look for him. They go back looking for that meal provider. But Jesus is going to use this opportunity, we'll see, to talk about a greater spiritual reality. So it goes on in verse 26. Jesus answered them. and said, where'd you go? Where'd, how'd you come here? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. So he's stating the obvious. But then he's going to tell them what is in their heart, what is going on underneath the surface. It's not because you saw signs, but because you ate your feel of the loaves. So it brings to the surface why they're following him. And it, it's not because they saw the signs, even though they did. They're following him because he's an easy meal ticket. Jesus is the one that can meet their needs. And they realize they have found something. Here. Think about what this would mean for a person that wakes up each and every day wondering, am I going to be fed today? Am I going to find food? Am I going to go hungry all day? They realize there's one, there's no more meal planning. There's no more having to decide what to make. There's no more worry about waking up and having to know, am I going to eat today? They feel if they can stay close to him, that need will be provided. But they're missing the significance of what he has done. So Jesus, graciously, he's going to help them. He's going to tell them they're chasing after really the wrong type of food. And he wants to slowly begin to, to move their perspective do something greater. So he tells them in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes. But for the food that endures to eternal life. Which the son of man he will give you. For on him God the father has set his seal. And they said to him. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them. This is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he sent. So they want their hunger satisfied. That's the first thing that we need to see. And they're seeking after uh, the food that would satisfy that hunger. But in reality, their conclusion is that they satisfy their hunger by their works and their deeds. Because their entire life is built upon that system. But Jesus says the only way that this hunger is satisfied, there is only one way. He says it's through believing. And he's going to beat that drum over and over again. That we satisfy our physical hunger by chewing and swallowing food, but that you satisfy a spiritual hunger, and he says it's by believing. In fact, the previous day, they're sitting in these small groups on this hillside, and they're fed with these five loaves and these two small fish that he turned that small uh, meal that that young boy had into this huge buffet. So when that happened, it, it triggers their minds about something in fact my wife tells me all the time we're in conversation and she's like wait you just jumped ship and you're talking about something i have no idea and i got there logically but i just didn't tell her how i got there but then these people they're they're watching they're seeing this happen and it triggers this memory because notice what they say in verse 30 so he tells them that this food is coming from the son of man the father said, his seal upon him, and he's the one that brings food. So they said, then what is the sign you do? They're asking for this, that we may see and believe. Now, I know what we're thinking. What else do they need to see? He, he fed you know, 18,000 people with this small little lunch. What work do you perform? Notice they're asking him, show us something, because this is what they're remembering. Our father's. They ate man, the manna in the wilderness, as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, what they're saying is like, well, hey, but do you remember Moses? I mean, Moses was the man. And, I mean, Moses is the one that fed our ancestors for all that time from Egypt to the promised land, that he, he fed them in the desert. Moses is the one that could do that. Because they're remembering that each and every day they woke up, and remember that manna was provided, but they couldn't save any. They could only eat what they needed that day. That God was teaching them this kind of daily dependence upon Him. If they tried, the worms would come, or, or it would go bad. But notice who they say provided the meal in verse 31. They credit it with Moses. They're seeing things only through physical eyes. So Jesus, he once again, is gracious, and he wants to correct their thinking. In verse 32, he looks at them and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father, and that's what infuriates those that are against Jesus, who he's claiming to be, that he gives you the true bread from heaven, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he says, it wasn't Moses. And then Jesus adds one little word, the true bread. So once again, notice, they're hungry. And Jesus wants to use that. So they turned to him and they said, Sir, in verse 34, give us this bread always. So they're hungry and they recognize this and they are now asking to be fed but they don't want it for just daily for 40 years. They're saying, then give us this every single day. Because think about how huge of a burden that would be lifted of knowing, I know I can feed my family each and every day, and I no longer have to worry. But he's going to use this physical element to show them a greater spiritual reality. In verse 35, he turns and he says, I am the bread of life. And then he's going to make a promise. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me, there it is again, shall never thirst. So not only are they hungry, Jesus loves them and he wants them to know that he can provide for them always. That he is the bread of life. And those that come to him, he makes a promise that you will never hunger again. And this was extremely inviting to the people His original hearers. So how do you eat? He says you believe. So here's the progression. Follow this. So they're hungry. They're asking for bread. Jesus says he is the bread and you get it by believing. And so you would think the next verse is going to read. They all believe and they find a satisfaction they have never known before. But notice the reality in verse 36. But I said to you that you have seen me, but yet do not believe. So once again, he's revealing this this reality of their hearts. Even though they recognize their need, that they're hungry, even though Jesus is telling them, hey, I am the bread of life, and you receive it by believing, the reality is they don't and they can't. And that's the sad reality, I think, for so many people is that we know we're hungry for something. We recognize our need for that. There is this this growling deep inside our souls for something that is missing. And then we go and we try to satisfy it with so many different things. And if you stop right there, I mean, the situation is absolutely hopeless. But Jesus is going to show them that There's hope in something, but it's something they can't see. That hope is coming, that there's something working behind the scenes. In fact, for each and every believer, this is what has happened. You pick up in verse 37. He tells them all, everyone that the Father gives me, they will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So Jesus is the bread of life, and he promises life to all that receive him. And this is what he's saying. God creates the hunger first. Because you know, you don't get hungry on your own. It's something that happens to you. But not only does he create the hunger, he provides the only food that can ultimately satisfy So from here all the way to verse 59, he is going to make two promises, and he'll do it seven different times, and here's what they are. First of all, he says, I promise to all those that believe that take the bread that God gives that he will make them alive spiritually now. Well, what does that really mean? Well, it means, I think, that we will hunger for not of the things of this world and more for spiritual things. That each and every day that there's a hunger that grows for the spiritual things and less and less for the things of the world. I think it can mean that God will mean more to us. That we will look to Him to satisfy our hunger. That we will care about the things of Christ that He cares about. That we'll have the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us. And that Jesus' promise is that you will have a life-giving relationship with the God of the universe for the here and now. And that His life will flow through you and you'll be able to relate to Him. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard of that even this week. I mean, I heard of somebody that out of the blue received a card. And they said, you have no idea what that meant to me. They had no idea what was going on in my life. That had to be God's leading them to send that card. Man, I've talked to our very own Bobby Freeman this week. Man, Bobby said, I have felt loved and cared for. In fact, he said a life group came and showed up at my house and just prayed over me. And he said, I can't tell you what that meant to me. We had a life group going to serve this next week at the East Texas Food Bank of following God's leading to put their faith in action hearing our Sierra Leone students that we met the quota uh, and had to even go find some more students to to do that. Realizing, listen, we don't want this Christmas season to be about us. We want it to be about living generously. Those things that we do, that is finding ways that we are alive spiritually now, allowing His life to flow, flow through us. The second promise He makes to those that believe, He says that take the bread that God gives he says we'll never experience death. You know our kids are at an interesting time or younger too and you know you get a lot of those great questions, you know, hey, what's God doing? Hey, what's Jesus like, you know, doing right now? We had a great conversation over kind of our breakfast devotional the other day about angels and what are they like and uh, all those kind of things. Well, then the question was, what happens if Jesus comes back and we're still here? So then you know, you get to walking through all that and you know, well, Scripture tells us that he'll come on the clouds and we'll get called up. And, you know, well, there's these different views of the rapture. And so, you know, you realize, well, I'm getting in the weeds here. And uh, then we'll be caught up. We're going to be given uh, the judgment. We'll be given resurrected bodies and all this kind of stuff. Then you realize, man, that sounds a lot like a sci-fi novel. But the truth is, that's that Scripture teaches us. And that's what we want them to know and to believe that, man, our children will never have to experience death. That the moment that they breathe their last breath here, that they're ushered into the presence of the Lord. But he promises that we will never experience death. In fact, four times, Jesus promises to raise us up on the last day. But the sad news continues. And here's what happens when all we have are physical eyes. In verse 41, it says, So the Jews... And almost every time, that means those that are opposing Jesus, not Jews in general. And notice what they're doing. They're grumbling about him. And that word grumbling isn't just a a growling in your stomach or kind of griping to someone else. It's an outspokenness against him. And notice why they're grumbling. Because he said, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And they're saying this. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, remember the one from Nazareth, whose father and mother, we know them. How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Because they're only seeing from physical eyes and they can't see past that. And all they see is, this man can't be from heaven. We know his mother and father. And they're grumbling. They're grumbling just like their ancestors did in the wilderness when God was providing manna from heaven. Man, I think that's what happens when we begin to only see ourselves, our relationships, our families, and even our church through physical eyes is that grumbling is just around the corner. Because Listen, there's always something that we can grumble about, be dissatisfied with, and it didn't take a long. And that's what happens when all we see are things through our physical eyes, which means I'm not getting my needs met. So just like those people of wandering in the wilderness and that uh, God provides and they find themselves grumbling, But I think this shows us an important truth, is that Jesus will show them that they, they can't come. They will never come and eat the bread that he is offering. In fact, they're asking the right questions, but they will never come to him. It has to be a supernatural calling of God drawing them to himself before they will ever eat or believe. And only the bread God gives can make that happen. So Jesus is going to answer them in verse 43. He says, Do not grumble or complain, dispute among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. Just like you can't make yourself hungry. You can't make yourself come to the Lord to receive him. Verse 45. It was written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. So he's laying out this thing that happens, that the Lord draws us. He creates a hunger. Then he provides the food that satisfies that hunger. And when we eat, when we believe, he grants life and life eternal. So the truth is, we would never come to him. But God doesn't leave us in that hopeless state. He draws us so that we can believe. So I would want you to know that if you have believed, it's because God has drawn you to himself. But if you've not yet, do you feel God's calling? Do you feel him drawing you to himself? If you have believed, Jesus is about to show you what happened. And if you haven't, Jesus is going to show you what you must do. It's in verse 50. It says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that you may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus is saying something that it's hard to hear. It's hard for them to believe. Because they can only see it through natural eyes. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and that bread is his flesh. And notice how this doesn't set well with them in verse 52. The Jews then disputed again among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They see Jesus promoting cannibalism. And in Leviticus, they know that it's completely against the law and human nature and God's design. So Jesus will clarify. He goes on in verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you may have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I will live because of the Father, so that whoever feeds on me, he will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he had taught at Capernaum. So he doesn't beat around the bush. He says to eat means to believe. And bread only does it any good if you eat it. So think about why Jesus would use this illustration. Because I think it's very powerful. Because when you take a bite of food or you take a bite of bread, you're believing that it is good for you, it is safe for you. When you go through that line in just a moment, you're not thinking, well, I hope this doesn't kill me. To eat is to believe, meaning this is good for me. This is going to give me strength. But I think he wants us to know you can't eat halfway. You don't get to chew and spit it out. That's not eating. You either eat or you don't. You either trust that He will give you life and you receive Him completely or you don't. There is absolutely no middle ground when it comes to believing in Jesus. So when you eat, you're eternalizing food. We satisfy our physical hunger by consuming food. But thinking about food is not the same as eating. Knowing nutritional facts about food is not the same as eating. Even understand how your body uh, takes in and processes and breaks down food. That's not the same as eating. To believe is to internalize the truth about Jesus. It's receiving Him into your soul. So thinking about Jesus, it's not the same as believing. Knowing a lot of facts about Him is not the same as believing. even understanding how Jesus saves is not the same as believing. So what is believing? Well, I think from the Scriptures, believing is staking your life on the fact that the only way to receive life is through Him. It's by placing all of your hope on Him to sustain you. It's this deep sense that says, I will die without Him. It's placing all your confidence in Him as the only one who can give you life and strength and even a future. But you know the best part about eating the bread of life? It's when you do, in the end, there's no bill to pay. It's not something that we could ever pay for or we could ever pay back. All you have to do is receive it. And so believing is abandoning all other means of salvation in life. It means saying, I can't make it on my own. I can't make it on my very own. I will die without him. I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. Jesus, save me, forgive me, and give me life. But it's not easy. But it's true. And it's our only hope. Listen to how St. Augustine once said it. He said, you God made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. Or maybe to put it in the words of John, he might say something like this, that God made us to hunger for him. He put that hunger within us and our starving souls will never find nourishment until we feast on him, meaning that only Jesus can satisfy that emptiness. Only Jesus can quiet that that growling deep in our souls that only he can give life. And you find it by believing that life comes only to those who eat the bread of life. And so as we eat lunch together, or maybe you go to a restaurant or you gather in your home, man, I, I pray that we would be reminded of our our daily and even eternal need for him, that he is the bread of life and that each and every moment that we are feeding that hunger, that we're reminded that he is the only one that can ultimately satisfy that hunger. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us, and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.